Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We would love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit our website at www.lifechurchofrichmond.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. I think we can praise the Lord longer than 15 seconds. Amen. Hallelujah. We bless you, mighty God. We magnify you in this house, Lord. so good to us. You're so good to us. Amen. Amen. Why don't you say hello to your neighbor and then you may be seated in the house of the Lord. Good to see everybody. Amen. 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 Good to see everybody in church today, amen? I'm glad the fall weather has finally arrived. And I don't know how long it'll stay. We usually run straight into winter, so <laughs> we'll see what happens. We had to turn the heat on today. I hope you noticed the heat is on. The heat is on. Y'all not supposed to know that song? <laughs> Amen. Well, the last couple of weeks I've been preaching on faith, and uh, I kind of came to the conclusion I probably could have made this a sermon series, uh, but it's really just developed weekly as the Lord has kind of asked me to stay on this subject. So I'm, I'm going to be talking about it again today. Um, in week one, I talked about strengthening our faith by understanding the truth about trials and how they can affect our faith. And last week, I preached a message called Help My Unbelief and how to have faith even when your faith has been challenged. By the way, if you missed either of those services, or let me just say this, if you ever miss any service, you can listen to every service uh, online or at the website or on the Bulletin Plus app by Monday afternoon. They're always uploaded there. And I encourage you, matter of fact, I encourage you when you're not in church, listen to the sermon so you can know what's going on, amen? So that when you come back, you can jump right back in here with us. And, and so today I want to talk about the subject of faith again, and my message is the faith-filled life. The faith-filled life. So what does it really take to please God in this day? You know, some people think that the way you please God is through ritual. You know, it could be through chanting certain prayers or some people might light incense or candles and you might do some ritualistic things in order to please God. But, but that's not what the Bible says. Some people think that the way you please God is through rules and regulations. That you make a list of all the things, by the way, is this in the middle? I can't preach if it's not in the middle. 
I will lean to one side. I might fall over. I got to know it's in the middle. Okay. <laughs> I'm not the only person in my family like this, by the way. My daughter, Lindsay, who's in the nursery this morning. A anytime growing up, like if I would like massage the right side of her shoulder, it got to where I would do it on purpose just to see. I would like massage it, and then she'd wait a few seconds. She'd say, I need you to do the left side. Or if you'd like massage her foot, I need you to do the left foot. Or sometimes I'd walk up and hit her on the arm, and she'd say, I need you to hit the other arm. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Where was I? I was rabbit trailing. That's where I was. So. You know, some people think it's the rules and regulations that you make a list of all the things that you're supposed to do, and you make a list of all the things you're not supposed to do. And if you do all the stuff on the do list, and if you don't do the things on the don't do list, then God says you're okay. But that's also not what the Bible says. Some people think that the way you please God is through religion, that if you observe certain holy days or you maintain a bunch of religious traditions or even if you have enough religious experiences, then that makes you a religious person and that makes God say, well done. But that's also not what the Bible says. The Bible says God isn't interested in our rituals or our rules or our regulations or our religion. He's interested in a relationship with us. And he wants us to learn to trust him. And the Bible says that it's impossible to please God we're talking about how do you please God unless you have one thing. And that is our text today, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. You can see it on the screen. It says, and it is impossible to please God without religion. Nope, that's not what it says. You can look up and see on the screen. It's impossible to please God without regulations, without ritual. No, it's impossible to please God without faith without faith anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him now if we really believe what the Bible says that it's impossible to please God without faith we really need to understand what living a life of faith is if it takes that to please him I want to know what it takes to please him so what is faith anyway? Well, I'm interested in pleasing God. Obviously, you must be interested in pleasing God because you're at church this morning. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, say, you did really good today. <laughs> you're here. Amen. You're here. So you want to please God. I'm assuming you do. Either that or somebody drug you to church. But we're going to give you the credit and say you want to please God. Amen. So if God says it's impossible to please me, Unless you live by faith, it's pretty important that we know about faith. So what is faith? Well, faith is multifaceted. Faith is multidimensional. There's many different aspects to faith. And if you want to take a good look at what a faith-filled life looks like, you can go to the Bible and you can specifically search the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Chapter 11 of Hebrews has been dubbed or called God's Hall of Fame. It's actually a hall of faith. And it's a list of a bunch of great men and women in the Bible who God says these people had faith. They did it right. And what I like about it, every one of these people demonstrated their faith a different way. Every one of them demonstrated their faith 
in a different uh, area of strength in their life or a different area that they had to put trust in God with. So this morning I want to talk about that a little bit and talk about a few of those people. And I want us to look at a few ways to build a faith-filled life. Is that good? You want to walk out of here with some good meat to chew on all week? All right. I, I Because we want to live a life that is not only pleasing to God, but hear me. If you learn to live by faith, you're going to live an abundant life in Christ. In other words, what I'm telling you today will not only please God, it'll make your life better. Amen. So let's, let's dive right in. Let's go. First of all, a faith-filled life is believing even when I don't see it. It's believing even when I don't see it. Faith is sometimes acting a certain way before you feel a certain way. Isn't that faking it? No, that's faithing it. Amen? Come on. Sometimes you got to act a certain way before you feel a certain way. It is speaking something before you see something. It is believing something before you see it come to pass. It's proclaiming something before it happens in your life. Hear me, folks. This is a fundamental approach to living a victorious life not only in your faith, but also in your day-to-day -day existence. Faith is visualizing the future in the present. It's seeing what you pray for in advance. It is being certain of things that we do not yet see. As human beings, we often say things like, I'll believe it when I see it. You know, God says, no, you've got it backwards. Some things you have to believe in in order to see it. Amen. Amen. See, whether you're an architect who's planning a building or an artist creating a sculpture or an Olympic athlete trying to break a world's record, you have to believe it before you can see it. All of those things require faith. You have to believe it's possible in advance long before it will ever be possible. That's what the Bible says faith is, believing when I don't see it. Warner von Braun, who was the father of the space age, he built the Atlas rocket and also the Saturn rockets that sent men to the moon. This is what he said. He said, there's never been any significant achievement in human history that was not accomplished by faith. So true. See, it all started out that somebody believed it was possible and they believed it in advance. you got to believe it before it will happen. Amen? Because faith turns dreams into reality. It's believing before I see it. So I want to ask you a very pointed question today. What do you need to believe before you're going to see it come to pass? What dream did God already put in you? I talked about this last week, but what dream did God put in you that you need to still visualize in your mind as coming to pass? I know there's somebody out there who still have some unfinished dreams and unfinished things in God that you want to see accomplished. Amen? See, sometimes believing in something is the driving force that allows you to keep going even when you want to quit. Come on. You might have to believe, I will be financially free one day. Matter of fact, does anybody want to proclaim that right now? I will be financially free one day. Come on. I don't have to always be broke. I don't have to always be the beggar. One day I'm going to be the lender and not the borrower. It's all right. You don't have to believe it. But you need to believe it. Amen? I believe God for my healing. I believe God that my husband or my wife will be saved. 
See, how do you need to believe? You need to start acting in order to feel what it is you desire to feel. See, true belief is always followed by action. I know what you believe by what you do. Amen. You can't live victorious and also act defeated and expect things to come to pass in your life. Those two don't jive. How do you need to start talking? You need to start speaking words of life in order to see some things come to pass. I could preach a whole sermon on this one point, but life and death are in the power of the tongue. Amen? Come on, some of you need to start speaking good things. You need to start speaking faith things. You need to start speaking like you want to see it come to pass. Somebody ought to give God a praise right now. Faith-filled life begins by believing in when, even when you don't see it. Secondly, a faith-filled life is obeying even when you don't understand it. Amen. Sometimes you got to obey even when you don't understand. See, this is a real easy concept for parents to project onto their children. But what about living for God ourselves? See, God gives us some great examples, Hebrew 11. Look at Noah. I want you to just think about what Noah had to deal with. Can you imagine if God came to you one day and said, I'm going to wipe out the whole world and I'm going to start over with you? You know what I'd say? Uh, God, you may want to pick somebody else. Have you seen my garage? <laughs> you know. God, you may need to pick somebody else. Have you seen my checkbook? I'm not sure you want to start the world over with me. God, if you, if you, you may want to pick somebody else. I, I, I don't know how to build. Did you see me when I built the crib? I mean, you may want to pick somebody else, God. Imagine Noah. Would you have had any doubts if God said, I'm going to wipe the whole world out and I'm going to start over with you? Would you wonder if what you ate last night was playing tricks on your mind? You know, but the Bible says Noah accepted, hear me, what was no doubt one of the greatest challenges ever given to a human being by God. And he obeyed it even though he didn't understand it. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. I'm going to stop right there. Noah acted. Noah acted in an extreme way. Noah did something unimaginable because God said it was going to happen, something that had never happened before. I just want to stop and say some of us right now, we can't believe what God is saying to us because it's never happened before. That might be exactly why God wants to do it in your life. I've never seen this happen for anybody else. Well, maybe you're going to be the first one. This has never happened in my life. Maybe God is ready to make it happen now. Can you obey even when you don't understand? And then it says, by his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. There's a little a clue as to why God picked him right there. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world. God didn't pick Noah because he was the greatest carpenter. God probably didn't pick Noah because he had the greatest sons and daughters. God picked him because his faith was strong enough to accomplish a crazy task. 
By faith he built, the Bible says. By faith he obeyed. Faith, the Bible says, was obeying even when he didn't understand. Notice, if you have your Bibles out, you could literally draw a line that connects Noah's faith to his obedience. By faith he built, by faith he obeyed. Obedience is always connected to faith, even and especially when it doesn't make sense. See, obedience is easy when it makes sense, right? I mean, it's easy to obey when it makes sense. Did you know, some of you may not even know this, you want to know how crazy Noah's task was? God told him, I'm going to have you build a boat to save the world from a flood before it had ever even rained. Read the book of Genesis. This might shock some of you. It had never even rained. That's in your Bible. I know that sounds crazy, but the earth was watered by a mist, a condensation that came up from the ground like dew. Every morning, it had never rained. So now, you really want to kick up the crazy level here? God comes along and says, hey, Noah, I want you to build this big boat because it's going to flood. Noah probably said, well, what's a flood? God said, it's when you get a whole lot of rain and it fills the earth. What's rain? It's when I take a whole lot of water and I pour it down from the sky right on you. Would you believe that? I'm just being real. I probably would have thought, is there, like Bill Cosby did when he did the Noah routine, he said, hey, is there anybody else up there? You know, th this is a crazy story. But Noah, because he had faith, he built and obeyed even though it didn't make sense. God said, I want you to build this boat. I don't want you to go to the Mediterranean Sea. I want you to build this boat right in the middle of the desert. So glad Noah obeyed when it didn't make sense. I'm glad he obeyed when he didn't understand it. Abraham's another example of this. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8, it says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as, inher as his inheritance. Now notice the last sentence. He went without knowing where he was going. Where are you going, Abraham? I don't know. Why'd you pack up all your people? Well, God told me to do it. You mean you're going to leave everything you've got behind? Yes, because God said. Here he is, 75 years old, lived in a place that was in, it's in modern-day Iraq called the Ur of the Chaldees. Just about time he's ready to hang up, hang it all up and retire, and God says, no, no, no. Abe, I'm getting ready to send you on the greatest adventure of your life. I'm getting ready to send you out. You're ready to quit. I'm just getting started with you. I'm going to turn you into the father of a brand new nation. I'm going to take you into a brand new land. Where are we going, God? You've never heard of the place. Well, how am I going to know when we get there, God? Don't you worry. You'll know when you get there. Would you have done it again? Could you have done it? Would you be able to obey God even when you didn't understand it? And because Abraham obeyed when he didn't understand, he became the father of a nation called Israel. Because Noah obeyed when he didn't understand, there was an opportunity for the rest of us to have life. See, faith-filled life always involves risk or it wouldn't be faith. Some people want a guarantee of success before they obey God. I'm going to tell you right now, it's not, it doesn't work that way. You can't read in the Bible and God tell you something and then say, okay, God, but if you will guarantee it will work, then I'm going to do it. See, because, again, that doesn't require any faith. God says, I want you to believe when you don't see it, and I want you to obey when you don't understand it. I think back to when I became pastor of this church back in 1995. Uh, I was an industrial electrician by trade. I was also a volunteer pastor who had just turned the ripe old age of 29. 
Robin was 25. She's upstairs uh, teaching uh, Kids Life today. She does it on the first Sunday of the month. Robin was 25. Lauren was two. Lindsay was eight months baking in the oven. Lindsay had not yet been born. Lindsay was coming the next month in October. We were so young. We were full of a whole lot more zeal than we were knowledge. And you know what? There's some of the people that were even with us back then that are still here today. I commend you. I salute you. I can't believe you stayed. <laughs> but we were meeting in a 7-Eleven building with a handful of people. Some of those people, again, they're still here. But for a lot of reasons I won't go into today, it was time for us to move out of that old building and to move to a new place and to get out of that 7-Eleven and and. But there was fear and defeatism that had consumed our church and it had held our church captive for years. And God challenged me to move our church into uncharted waters and to move into a school. Now listen, back then there wasn't hardly anybody meeting in schools. There was nobody meeting in schools. So it was the move that God said, and so we did it. But guess what? It turned out to be the first of what would be four schools. I thought this was a short-term solution, maybe six months, and then God was going to lead us to a building. It turned out to be nine years. Nine years. Lots of churches meeting in schools today, but back then we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't have anybody to show us what to do. You can literally go online right now and Google uh, churches and schools, and there are sound systems you can buy, complete setups you can do. There's people that will come out and show you how to set up your meeting. I mean, you can buy the whole thing, literally church in a box. But back then, it was us piecing together pieces of PA equipment. We had an old beat-up truck, old nasty truck. One piece of knowledge one guy gave me, he said, was whatever you do, don't buy a nice truck. I said, why? He said, if you buy a nice truck and if you put your church name on it, it's going to get broken into every month. Somebody's going to steal your stuff. So we obeyed. <laughs> Eddie, you remember that truck? We had an old beat-up truck. If you were to break into that truck, it would have been to put something in it to help us out. But you know what? We just walked by faith. We walked by faith. Six months turned into a year, turned into two years. One school turned into two schools, turned into three schools, turned into four schools until God finally blessed us with this land and allowed us to build this building. Amen. And God's not done with us yet. Here's what I want you to understand. In the New Testament, there's over a thousand different commands of God. He says, do this and this, and your life will be blessed. Every time God tells you to do something, hear me, it's a test. In your life, every day, every time God asks you to do something, it's a test. It's a test of who am I going to believe and obey, God or my go-to guy, me? Who am I going to believe? Am I going to do what God tells me is the right thing to do, or am I going to do what I think is the right thing to do? Am I going to believe God knows best, or am I going to believe that I know best? Of all these commands, a lot of them might seem unreasonable or unusual or inconvenient. Some of them might seem flat out impossible. But you know what? They're all there for our benefit. You remember when you were a kid and your parents would tell you to do something that made no sense at all to you as a kid? You thought, man, this is stupid. But you did it because you didn't want to get beat to death. Amen. 
He didn't want to get put in the corner. Amen. But looking back, you can see the wisdom of what they were telling you to do, and you can see that some of those things that they told you to do, they told you out of love and for your benefit. But did you know God's even smarter than your parents? And when you ignore what he tells you to do, you know what the Bible says we're doing? We're being fools. We are. He's the creator. The Bible is God's owner's manual to us for life. And if I ignore God's command, who am I going to hurt? I'm not going to hurt God, but I'm going to hurt me. There's a lot of times faith-filled life doesn't make sense. For instance, God tells us that when people hurt us and abuse us and misuse us, we have to forgive them. That doesn't make much sense, does it? Doesn't even seem fair. The natural thing is to want to get even, to retaliate. God says don't be resentful because resentment always hurts you more than somebody else. Just forgive them because if you hold on to the hurt and bitterness, you're hurting yourself. Here's the point. If we can learn to do whatever God tells us to do, even when it seems absurd, then God can bless your life. Faith is believing even when I don't see it. Obey even when I don't understand it. And faith is also giving when I don't have it. Amen. Did you know that giving and faith go together? Now everybody's getting all quiet because I mentioned the G word. God uses finances to test our faith. I'm just going to put it on out there. Have you ever had to decide between paying your tithes or paying a bill? This is a test. God's saying, who are you going to trust? My promise to take care of you or your ability to take care of yourself. See, in Hebrews 11, the Faith Hall of Fame, the first guy who gets listed is a man named Abel. Abel gets listed not because he built a great ark, not because he built a great nation like Abraham. He didn't. Abel got listed because he gave. And it wasn't just what he gave, it was how he gave. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. Another version said, through his faith, God approved of his giving. Now notice what this verse says. Just leave it up on the screen. It says, notice he brought an acceptable offering. Now, the Bible teaches us, and I'm not going to get into this right now, but the Bible teaches us what an acceptable offering is. It also says that his offering was evidence that he was a righteous man. Did you know your giving, if you're a believer, your giving is evidence of your righteousness in the area of giving? That's what the Scripture says. His giving was his evidence that he was a righteous man. You can, again, connect the line right here from obedience to faith. The Bible here is talking about giving in faith. It wasn't just what he gave that pleased God, but it was how he gave it. It wasn't just an amount as much as it was his attitude. You need to understand there's two ways to give. You can give by faith or you can give by fear. You can give by reason or you can give by revelation. One of the three these ways... Uh, you really don't get as much credit for the other way pleases God. First of all, for example, you can give by reason. Now, when I give by reason, it's when I look at my bank account and my check stub 
and my bills, and I see how much I've got, and I have to figure out what I can afford to give, and I give a reasonable amount based on what I think I can afford or what's left over. Guess what? That doesn't require faith. That just requires math skills. <laughs> that just requires a budget. Did you know an atheist can give by reason? It's simple arithmetic. Here's what I have left over. Here's what I can afford to do. So you don't have to believe in God to do that. Basically, you're giving God the leftovers if you have any. The other way to give is by revelation. Revelation is when you pray and you read the Word of God and He reveals to you what you should do and give an acceptable offering like Abel's. Revelation is what inspires obedience. Amen? That's when you say, God, what do you want me to give? Or, God, I understand by reading your word what you want me to give, and I'm giving by faith. And that's the kind of giving that God blesses. Giving by obedience and giving faithfully. Hear me, it can be a huge test of your faith, especially when you first start giving faithfully as a mature believer. Amen? 28 years ago when Robin and I got married, one of the first things we decided on as a couple, really even before we got married, it was already settled was that God was always going to be first in our finances, always. We said we're going to practice tithing, which is the biblical concept of the first 10% of everything we make, we give back to God in gratitude for what He's done in the past and as an example of faith saying, God, we know what you're going to do in our lives in the future. Amen? We said no matter what, even if nobody else gets paid, God's going to get paid first. And I'm going to tell you right now, with integrity, for 28 years, we've always done that. The first check, and I'm still one of those old guys who writes checks, by the way. The first check we would write off of each income was right back to God, that 10% back to Him, and we still do it today. We also give additional offerings, but right now I'm just talking about tithe, the first fruit of our income. There's been times in our lives when the cupboards were pretty bare. We had our fill of spaghetti and hamburger helper when we first got married. I ain't going to lie. It was tight. But we've never missed a meal, and God has always provided for us time after time after time. You know why? Because God says when you put me first in any area of your life, I will bless that area of your life. So we did. And I just want to remind you here today, you cannot outgive God. You can't. The more you give, the more God gives back to you. And this includes your time. This includes your talents. God wants you to give them back to Him. Trust Him with those abilities. Trust Him with your time, with your calendar. Amen? We have learned that whatever we give in faith, whenever we give in faith, God always gives back. Some people want to say, God, you give to me and then I'll give. That's not faith. It's like, God, you bring me in this big windfall, and when it arrives, I'm going to give some of it back to you. That might be gratitude, but that's not faith. Faith-filled giving is when you might sometimes even think you can't afford it, but you've made a decision that I'm going to give in obedience, and I'm going to give faithfully. Amen? 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7, my last scripture on this point, says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let me just throw this in real quick. A lot of people feel like when they say, Well, I'm going to decide to give a dollar a week. That's not what this verse says. Do you know what the decision is of a faithful follower of Jesus? 
the decision is to walk in obedience to whatever his word says. So what you need to read when you read verse 7 is, I'm going to decide in my heart to give biblically and obediently the way the scripture says to give. Can the church say amen? God loves a cheerful giver. The next point I want to make, everybody just breathe now. I'm done talking about giving. But can I say, that shouldn't be a point of stress for a believer. It should be a blessing. You ought to be able to jump up and shout, yeah, God is always taking care of us, and to God be the glory. Amen? Give however God tells you to give. I'm still talking about this, but I'll never forget one time, years ago, I remember I got my tax check in, and everybody gets excited when the tax check comes. This actually happened to me twice. When I was a teenager, I, I got my tax check in, and I already had plans for it, and as soon as I got it, God said, I want you to give that to your building fund. Now, this is when we were meeting in a rented building back on, uh, I can't even remember where we were. Before I was a pastor, I was just a teenager, and God said, I want you to give the whole thing. Nobody asked me to do it, but I, I was learning to recognize the voice of God even at a young age. I said, okay, God, I'll do it. I did it. I'll never forget. Uh, uh, my dad got really mad at me. My dad wasn't a believer. I was still loving, living under his roof. He got so mad at me. He couldn't believe I did that. thought it was so reckless. I said, Dad, I'm going to do what God told me to do. Fast forward many years later. God's blessed me. God's good. And I'll never forget. I got a tax check in. Now I'm an, now I'm an adult. I got big things to pay for now. I remember that tax check came in. And I remember as soon as I got it, as soon as I opened it, God said, I want you to give it to somebody. And here's who I want you to give it to. I immediately recognized it was the voice of God. And I learned a long time ago, stop, don't argue with God. If God says it, you obey it, he's going to bless you for it. I immediately turned to my wife. And by the way, I can tell you, I love my wife. I have never once, she has never hesitated when I've said that I want to do something outrageous or give something and I turned to her and said, I think the Lord told me to give this to so-and-so. She said, do it. That's awesome. That's great. And I'll never forget, I went and I drove over to somebody's house, and I knocked on their door. And they came to the door, and they looked at me because I never come and just knock on the door. I think I might have called first. And the lady came to the door, and I said, Lord told me to bring you something. Here it is. I'm going to leave. You look at it when you get inside. It's just a gift. God told me to give it. And I remember walking away saying, God, you apparently knew they had a need, and I'm just so thankful that you let me be the one. By the way, let me just say this. Did you know the Bible says that when you give, the Bible says that men will give into your bosom. Sometimes God blesses you through other people. Sometimes God blesses you on your job. So I'm just telling you, you walk in obedience when it comes to the area of giving in your life. Amen? got to hurry. I'm running out of time. Faith -filled, a faith-filled life, here's your next point if you're taking notes, is persisting even when I don't feel like it. Now, that's opposite of our culture today. Our culture says do everything based on your feelings. Everybody, I'm going to get on a soapbox now, so I got to be careful. Everybody's in their feelings now. Everybody's in their feelings. When did that become okay? <laughs> Amen. If it feels good, do it. If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. Do whatever feels good. Live by your emotions. Live by your feelings. And as a result, you know what? We are being manipulated by our moods. We are. Hear me. 
I don't want to offend anybody, but mature people live by their commitments, not their emotions. Amen. We got to live by our decisions. Emotions come and go. Mature believers keep doing the right thing even when you don't feel like it. Amen. I know I'm stretching you a little bit today, but that's what part of my job is. I want to stretch you and help you grow. Don't just be okay with just being okay with not doing the right thing. See, we're manipulated by ourselves. Can I confess some things to you? I don't always feel like being nice to people. Amen. Do you always feel like being nice? The devil is a liar. Amen. <laughs> See, sometimes I want to be a little selfish or grouchy. Sometimes I don't feel like talking to people. But hear me, you are not entitled to live by your feelings, and neither am I. This might shock you, but sometimes even as your pastor, sometimes I don't feel like reading the Bible. No lightning rod striking yet. Sometimes I don't feel like praying. Guess what I've also discovered? That when I don't feel like doing something, that's usually when I need to do it the most. In fact, I've discovered if the only time I pray and read my Bible is when I feel like it, the devil will make sure I never feel like it. If the only time you pray and read your Bible is when you find the time to do it, I can assure you, you're never going to find the time to do it. There's always going to be something else. So when you don't feel like being nice, you got to persist and be nice anyway. Again, I'm talking to mature people. If, you, if this is too much for you. See, when you don't feel like smiling, you got to try to smile anyway. When you don't feel like praying, you got to pray anyway. That's the secret of success. Hear me, you might want to write this down. This is worth the price of admission. You ready? Successful people are just ordinary people who consistently do what other ordinary people don't feel like doing. Successful people are just ordinary people who consistently do what other ordinary people don't feel like doing. That means I do the things I know I need to do whether I feel like doing them or not. And guess what? You are automatically going to be elevated. I preached the message years ago, the way to succeed in life. You want to know the way to make more money? Do more than everybody that you work with. I'm, 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 I'm digressing now. Some of you right now, the only reason you haven't got a raise yet is because you're just doing like everybody else. You want to succeed? Work a little bit harder. Show up a little earlier. Leave a little later. Get a better attitude. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to tell. I'm telling you how to succeed. You will stand out from the crowd. I'm going to brag on my daughter real quick. She's here. I, I don't want to say too much, but they just changed her job uh, where she works. She works with a contractor for Homeland Security in D.C., and there's some crisis stuff going on. In case you haven't been watching the news, there's a lot of stuff going on in the border, and there's a lot of stuff happening. And so they moved her into another job kind of as a liaison between the Department of Defense and Homeland Security, and she's working in a situation room right now. It's one of those big rooms with all those computer screens and where they monitor all this stuff. And Lauren's always been a hard worker. And after about three days, some of the big shots at defense said, we need to put her on our team. We need to hire her. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to brag on her. 
And you want to know why? She gets to work early. She works hard. She works through lunch breaks. She stays late. And sometimes she goes home and does work at night. Now, this is just first season. You can't always live your life that way. They went to her boss, and they asked about hiring her. They said, no, you can't take her away from us. She's vital. So now, guess what? There's a big old war. They're all trying to see who's going to get Lauren Thompson. And guess, guess who's shining in this whole process? So you know what I told her? Keep working. Keep doing a good job. Let God order your steps. Just let God order your steps. The right doors will open. The correct door. Let God lead the way. That's how you get ahead, folks. Work a little harder. Have a little better attitude. I know I'm rabbit trailing, but I just wanted to tell somebody that. You, you, you want to shine on your job? When you go to work tomorrow, decide, I'm going in with a new attitude. I'm going in with a new attitude. I'm going to shine. And if that doesn't work, I'm going to keep shining while I look for another job. <laughs> Amen. Because I was looking for a job when I found this one. Amen. That's how you got to be. Let me get back on track here. Persist, even when you don't feel like it. Ask an Olympic athlete if they enjoy the hours of exercise. No, sir, they don't. Ask a great musician like Zach Gerald. Where are you at, Zach? My boy can play any of those instruments. You might not know that. He can shine on all of those. He might can even take this pulpit and shine. I don't know. I love me some Zach. But ask Zach if he always feels like practicing hours a day to be an expert at an instrument. Of course not. You know what a faith-filled man or woman becomes? They become who they are, not by accident, but by choosing to develop habits and spiritual disciplines in their life and persisting even when you don't feel like it. Hebrews 11 and 27. I want you to look at Moses real quick. I'm running a little longer than I, but just give me five more minutes, 10 more, maybe 10 more. Do I hear 15? Amen, no, I'm kidding. Oh, it's only 12, 12. I'm doing good. Hebrews 11, 27 says it was by faith, notice, that Moses left the land of Egypt not fearing the king's anger. Why? Pharaoh was right behind him. Pharaoh, Pharaoh was going to, why was he not afraid? He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Moses kept going forward and not worrying about the Pharaoh behind him because he kept his eyes on God. Don't miss that nugget. He kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. That's how you persist, even when you don't feel like persisting. Noah led an, uh, Moses led an entire nation of, uh, out of slavery that they'd been in for hundreds of years, led them across the wilderness, led them through the Red Sea, led them on a 40-year wilderness delay because he kept his eyes on God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. When you keep your eyes on him, it keeps you persistent. Some of you today, you might feel like quitting. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You feel like you're ready to give up on your marriage. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You feel like you're ready to give up on school because it's too hard. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on what God told you to do. Maybe you're ready to give up on your career or that dream. Be persistent even when you don't feel like it. Here's what I know. God will take that persistence, and if the, if the thing that you want is not going to happen, he will take that and direct you into something else. 
because that's how God works. Next point, faith-filled life is thanking God before you receive it. Musicians, come on up. Hebrews 11 and verse 30 was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. They marched around those walls by faith and they thanked God before it happened. Faith is believing God is doing something right now even though I don't see it, that he's working behind the scenes, that the answer's on his way, and I'm going to thank God in advance. Amen. Don't just wait until after prayer's been answered to thank God. That's not faith. That's gratitude, which is good. But you want to know what faith is? Thanking God right now before it's even come to pass. Thanking him by faith. The Bible says to be persistent in prayer. You know how that looks as far as faith is concerned? You ask God for something, and then the next time you bring it up, you thank Him for doing it. Ask Him, and then thank Him. And the last thing I want to say, praise team, come on up. Prayer team, if you'll gather. Living a faith-filled life is trusting even if I don't get it. Now, this is the hard part. How do you act? How do you live when God says no? See, sometimes we think God's like a vending machine that automatically will give us anything we want, but that's not true. God's not going to give you everything you ask for. Rick Warren said this, and I like it. He said, God will meet all your needs, but he won't meet all your greeds. It's pretty good. In other words, God will give you what you need, but he doesn't always give us what we want. Because sometimes he knows that what we want is really not what's best for us. Some people today teach the idea that if you have enough faith, you'll never get sick. You'll never have any problems. You'll always have money in the bank. The, the Bible doesn't teach that. See, because God is, God is more interested in your character than he is your comfort. And, and sometimes... God's got to not let us always have what we want because he knows it's not good for us. Again, I hate to use the analogy, but any parent understands this. At some point, three or four or five, I don't know what the magic number is in your house, but at some point, six cookies is enough. At some point, one handful of M&Ms is enough. I enjoy sneaking Mason little treats. But I also know that I can't let him eat all the chocolate because it's not good for him. And God knows that sometimes he just can't let us always have what we think we need. I've said this before, but I want to say it again because I think it fits good right here. Did you know God, hear me, God hears every prayer and he answers every prayer. I don't want you to miss this. But here's the key. He doesn't always answer the way we want him to. Sometimes when you pray, God says yes. Sometimes when you pray, God says no. Sometimes when you pray, God says not yet. Sometimes when you pray, God says no, but I've got a, a better idea. I've got something different. Hear me. All of those are valid answers to prayer. No. Yes. Not yet. No, but here's something else. There's a fifth one, too. Sometimes God says, are you kidding me? <laughs> are you kidding? No. 
Why don't you stand with me all over this house? I'm talking about a faith-filled life. Sometimes we need to remember that living by faith does not exempt us from problems. Sometimes we pray for God to remove a problem, and instead he keeps the problem there. He gives you the strength to go through it. Apostle Paul's a great example. Remove this thorn. Remove this thorn. Remove this thorn. I've asked you, God, three times. He says, you know what? My grace is sufficient. In other words, you're just going to deal with this. Paul, you may not understand until you meet me on the other side, but my grace is sufficient. See, God knew some stuff about Paul that Paul doesn't know about Paul. And whatever that thorn was, and a lot of theologians speculate on what it was, but whatever it was, God knew, Paul, you need this thorn to keep you where you need to be. See, because if God took all the problems out of us, we'd be spoiled. If he took all the problems out of our life, we'd be weak. If he took all the problems out of our life, we'd never pray. Anybody could trust God when things are going great. Anybody could trust God when you got a pocket full of money. Anybody can persist when you see the deadline's only a couple of inches away. Anybody can believe when it's right in front of you. But real faith is built in the valleys of life. Faith isn't built on the mountaintop. Faith is built in the valley. Faith isn't built on the yeses. Faith is built on the noes and the not yets. Faith is built in crisis, not in celebration. Faith is affirmed in celebration, but it's built during times of crisis. So I'm going to ask you real quickly, here's my six points. As we conclude, I want you to really personalize this, and then I'm going to invite you to the altar. What area of faith do you need to work on? Do you need to work on believing when you don't see it? Do you need to work on obeying when you don't understand it? Do you need to work on giving even though you think you don't have it? Do you need to work on persisting even when you don't feel like it? Some of you might need to work on thanking God before you receive it. I didn't spend a lot of time on that because I'm out of time. Or maybe you just need to work on trusting even if you don't get your answer that you wanted. So right now, I'm going to open this altar and I'm going to invite you to step out from where you are. And if you want to say, God, I need you to help me to have more faith in this area of my life, just step out from where you are and walk right down to this altar. And we're going to begin to pray. Some of you, maybe you don't even know the Lord. The most important thing you can do is step out from where you are and begin a walk with God in your life. Ask God to come into your life, repent of your sins, and begin your walk with Jesus Christ. Why don't you step out? You can come to one of these prayer team members, and we will pray with you. Some of you, your faith has just been beat up by life, but I want you to know that's not unusual. That's how life treats us. But God is there to redeem us and to help us. Why don't you come? Let's fill this altar up. Let's pray. Go ahead. God, I need you to help my faith, God. I need you to help my faith, God. I'm going to trust you even when I don't see. I'm going to trust you even when I don't understand.
our hands right now. I'm going to pray a closing prayer over us. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, God, we know that sometimes life just throws us curves. Life just presents challenges to us. And right now, I pray for the people of God that are gathered in this room, Lord. I pray that we would learn to walk by faith and not by sight. God, I pray that we would not be manipulated by our own emotions and fears. I speak against the tactics of the devil who keeps putting fear and worry and dread in people's lives. God, I pray that we could walk by faith and not by sight. I pray that we would act before we even feel. Help us, God, to walk and be who you've called us to be. I pray right now, God, for those who are struggling in the area of giving or the area of thankfulness or in the area of persisting or in the area of obedience, all the things we've talked about today, God, it is our heart's desire to excel and to please you. So, Lord, I just pray that you'll help us, God, help us to grow, help us to do the things you've called us to do, and help us to be a light to this generation of lost souls that are all around us today. I pray right now specifically for, for some people who have been struggling on their job. I pray that they would go to work this week with a brand new attitude. And God, that your light would shine through them. Help them to be grateful for the job they have, God. And if it's not the right job, lead them and show them where they need to be and what they need to do. Direct us as the children of God. Help me to obey like Noah. Help me to walk in faith like Abraham. Help me to walk in boldness and no fear like Moses. Help me to walk in a spirit of rejoicing like Joshua. God, I just want to walk and trust you, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Why don't we close like we always do with a thunderous praise. Could you give God a praise? Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, Life Church. We bless you, Jesus. Yes, we adore you in this house. I give you praise and glory and honor. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, say, you need to believe God for great things. And you can be dismissed in Jesus' name. Have a great week. We will see you in life group or see you next Sunday. No prayer Wednesday night. No prayer Wednesday night.